This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Because if you can tell me what your habits are, I can tell you what sort of a person you are. I can tell you what your future looks like. But like I always say, life is 10% what happens to you. It's 90% what you do about it. The people who are most effective in the workplace believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past. When people don't believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past, they begin to disengage. You're listening to The Circuit of Success, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve success in every facet of life, only on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Now, your host, Brett Gilliland. Welcome to The Circuit of Success. How's everybody doing today? I'm Brett Gilliland. I am your host and the co-founder of uh, CEN CEO, sorry, of Visionary Wealth Advisors. And I am with Brian and Kite today. Brian, what's going on, man? What's happening, Brett? Who knows when it's getting released? It's post-4th of July weekend. And I'm happy. Always nice after these long weekends. I don't, I don't know about everybody else, but it, it's, it's refreshing for me to be like, all right, that was long enough. Like yeah. I'm ready to dive back into doing the work. So That's fired right. up to be here. A lot of rest and relaxation, some fireworks, maybe a couple adult beverages, you know, having some fun. No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, you were coming from Charlotte, North Carolina, and I'm coming from St. Louis, just outside of St. Louis. And so excited to be with you today, man. You are an entrepreneur. You are a keynote speaker. You are an advisor to sports teams and companies doing all sorts of fun stuff. So I look forward to diving into that with you today. But man, what what made you get into this? What made you become this entrepreneur and helping so many people with uh, with the things that you're working on? Yeah, I was trying to think, right? Of you know, everybody has their everybody has their origin story, right? And some some origin stories started really early. Some started a little later. You know, when I when I think back, I mean, you know, probably less the entrepreneur side, but more where I got into this this line of work, right? On the on the business side, I I, I, I teach leadership and team culture and in individual behavior skills, personal behavior skills for performance. And where I where I got that from was really my sports background. I, I saw that and there's a it's interesting, right? People will work in the sports world. They will do everything in the weight room and strategy and game planning and all this different right. stuff. But when you ask them to do the same level of work on their leadership, they read a book, they do a quote, they give a speech. It's not even close. Now, yeah. uh, and I experienced that as an athlete and that was the first place I saw it. And then, you know, I, I think on the other side, right on, on sort of the, the personal discipline side, which is a huge part of, of sort of the other half of my work. If the B2B side is leadership and team culture and behavior skills for, for teams and, and businesses, the personal side on the personal discipline you know, I, I think it's, you know, I go back and, and for me, it was, uh, you know, my, my parents got divorced when I was a year old and so often for kids who come from divorce, they, one parent kind of elevates above the other a little bit, you know, it's kind of, it's one of the unfortunate side effects of divorce. Uh, a lot of times is, is there's a discrepancy sort of between what the parents give to the kid or the kids with their involvement levels or whatever it happens to be. And I was massively fortunate as a kid because they divorced when I was maybe a year old. I mean, so, so I have no memory of them together, right? right. Pictures, weird thing to look at from a picture's perspective. <laughs> like, you know, what, what is this? Right. But what I got was first and foremost, the most important thing, I got two parents 
who loved me massively. And they each did it in their own way, right? My dad was a pastor and my mom was not a pastor, right? Probably, probably, probably part of the reason that they didn't belong together yeah. in the first place. But, you know, they, they both gave me a ton of love and then they both, they both invested into me at a really personal level in some really different ways. And it, you know, I look back and, you know, I think like everybody gets shaped by their parents in some way, shape or form. Right. Well, but, sure. but I look back at, and, you know, my parents being divorced and then basically each sort of, you know, molding me, if you will, in their own unique way. And so differently for all of the pain that that process was involved. And, and, you know, and there was a ton of it over the, over the years at the same time, the way that they did that for me, I look back and it's like, man, like this, it was just, it was just, it had a huge hand in shaping, not just who I am, but also what I do and how I go about it. And I think a lot of kind of where my head and heart is for trying to help people and teams. That's cool, man. So, so you learn a lot from your past, right? I mean, obviously you got to go back and learn from it. If you don't, that's, that's not a good thing. But one of the things when I was looking at your website, I loved is you said, I have, I average teams use quotes, good teams have plans and elite teams implement systems. Yeah. And that's what you're traveling the world talking about. So, so let's spend some time on that. So again, average teams use quotes, good teams have plans, elite teams implement systems. Let's talk about it. Yeah. So like, let, let's just, let's take it, let's just immediately apply it to a wealth advisory. Like just take, take the, take that exact same thing and flip it around to wealth advisory, financial planning, you know, budgeting to the most basic thing. Yep. At the end of the day, the, is a quote going to get something done from a financial perspective? If I memorize some really good quotes about, about finances, yeah. like I've got a bunch of Warren Buffett quotes that I can rattle off at any time. No, it's not going to, that's not going to do anything. It's uh, in fact, it's the illusion of wisdom. It's, it's wisdom in a quote that I have no real understanding and experience or scars or sweat equity in applying in the real world. Yeah. No so, street cred there. You just read it in a book somewhere. Right. I mean, it's like, it's like, and look, and then, and then, and I work a lot with wealth advisors and teams because it's, you know, it's sales. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's sales, it's service, it's empathy, it's understanding, it's a complex environment, dealing with emotions, it's money, which gets emotion, all this different stuff. So, I, you know, I, I work a lot in that space and have my entire career along with a number of others, but you know, that industry is susceptible to a lot of leadership quotes. It's things about, all right, how do you make a difference for people, right? You, you hear the quote all the time. You've heard it a thousand times. Nobody knows how much, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. But here's the point. That quote doesn't move the needle. The execution of what's underneath that moves the needle. So quotes, uh, I'm just not a fan of them because they get used so often and it makes so little difference. Yep. If, if we take it a step forward, then then people want to have plans, and I like plans. Plans are good, but plans are fragile. Plans are at times too rigid. Plans are at times too sequential. Plans are at times too dependent on the external world or the people in it doing the things that we expected them to do. And if there's one thing we know that the external world is not going to do, it is all of the things that we expect. So I've got. You know, I could have a plan for my business. I could have a plan for my finances. I could have a plan for, you know, my marriage, but it didn't take into account COVID. That was it wasn't not on the drawing board. Yeah. You know, it wasn't on the drawing board and, and whatever we did have on the drawing board for the plan for the, you know, rainy day stuff, it wasn't COVID. Yep. Right. Like that, that wasn't in the plan. And, you know, part of my sports background, right. Is everybody has a game plan 
I, you know, I have a leadership plan. I have, you know, I have a plan for how yep. I want this play. I played college football was, was my sport. I have a plan for how I want this play to go or whatever, but that's why we love sports is that they're so dynamic. They're like little microcosms of life. It's just, you know, you, you, you watch a baseball game, you watch a football game, you watch whatever it is. And there's always something that goes on. You're like, okay, it's a little, right. It's the roller coaster of all that. And so when I, when I think about it is I don't want systems. I'm sorry. I don't want, I don't want quotes. I don't want plans. What I want is a system. What's the difference between a system and a plan. And as we apply it to wealth advisory, you know, financial management, when I have a good financial system, that means that it, it accounts for whatever happens. I take that system and I can overlay it on anything that goes on, right? Whether I'm high, whether I'm low, whether it's, you know, whether it's on this side or on that side, whether I'm, whether I'm flush, whether I'm broke, right? I'm applying my system. And I'm a huge believer in when you have really good systems, the plans that you build, they get a lot better. I'm not really interested in the quote side. Quotes are, are good for billboards, maybe attention getting, but if, if we're building things based on quotes, we're going to be really frustrated and disappointed eventually. And so yeah. I, want, I want to execute systems. People are really different. And when you have a really, you know, you have a really good system when it can fit a wide array of scenarios, a wide array of styles, a wide array of personalities, a wide array of industries, circumstances. That's what a really good system is. Kind of like a body, right? The body is a system. Yep. Body can be in whatever shape you really want it to be in. But at the end of the day, my system works basically like your system does. Uh, yeah. But we can each use our systems to do whatever we want. And we can build really different bodies for very different kind of purposes and reasons. That's what having a good system is all about. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, we talk about that all the time with clients. I said, well, what makes you different? I said, well, the method to the madness, meaning there's, there's a discipline. Anybody can just buy this one stock or that one mutual fund, but it's the method to the madness on the fears, the emotions, right? The greed, all those things is having a process in place and follow the process, not the emotion, right? And, and back to even the business plans. I mean, I've had business plans for 20 years, you know, nice. I've got them right over, right over there. Actually, I can see it and you know, they look yep. nice. They're bound, but also people can have those. They go in the top right drawer and they never get viewed again. And then it's like October and they're like, well, crap, I'm way behind on my business goals. Well, you, you didn't look to it, right? You didn't have a process to help you get there. Right? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, so for example, like when I, when I say system, what do I mean? Well, for, first, what is a system? A system is how do we uh, and I believe in simplicity as well. So simplicity is, for me is number one, because if it's not simple, you won't do it. Complexity kills execution. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether we're talking about, you know, in a marriage, in your diet, in your workout, in your financial advice, in your leadership, complexity kills execution. Number two, though, is having really good systems. And the way I, the way I think about a system is this, a system is how we organize simple skills so we can execute them in complex environments. Yep. What, what's my simple set of rules that no matter where I am and what I'm doing, I can just look to my principles. I can look to my system and it gives me, it gives me the map of what to do. So I'll give you an example of one of the most popular systems, really simple, small tool that is the fundamental building block of everything in life. Big statement I know, but it's true. E plus R equals O. Event plus response equals outcome. You think about it, right? Just three letters, event plus response equals outcome. And rather than me do it, watch how intuitive this is. We can just, we can, we can, we can do this together, right? And, and you can be the voice of the audience here, Brett. Perfect. E plus R equals O, event plus response equals outcome. 
what is the only piece of that equation that you have control over? My response. That's it. What do you not control? The outcome. You don't control the outcome, which by the way, a ton of people don't really understand still. Yeah. And you also don't control the, the event like COVID. Because, because if you controlled events, wouldn't people in your life treat you differently? If you controlled events, wouldn't certain clients act different? Wouldn't certain prospects have closed and signed? If you controlled outcomes, wouldn't your bank account look a little different, right? Wouldn't the, wouldn't the yeah. cards have a different record if you controlled yeah. outcomes? That's right. Wouldn't, yeah. So, so, you know, wouldn't certain relationships be in maybe a little different state, a little better spot? You know, you have, you have kids? I do. I have four boys. Right. There you go. Four boys. Right. So like if you controlled outcomes, like wouldn't your boys have made a couple different decisions in a certain couple certain spots in their lives, <laughs> right. right? I don't yeah. care how young or how old they were, right? Like, and so what we learn is this, E plus R equals O, it's the building block of life. It is parenting. It is diet and exercise. It is mental health. It's also sales. It's customer service. It's leadership. So it fits, it's driving, it's flight, it's flights and delayed and all that different stuff. So if I get good at the system of E plus R equals O, I can apply that system to anything I'm encountering. I can apply it to anything I'm pursuing. What outcome do I want? What set of events and circumstances do I have? How do I need to respond? It's, it's dealing with divorce as a kid. You know, I learned it intuitively, not because of those letters. I learned that I had this experience when I was a kid. My parents lived in, I, I grew up in Southern California, San Diego and LA. My mom was in LA. My dad was in San Diego. And so, and my mom's a flight attendant. She's the best flight attendant in the world. Number one. I don't know if there's a ranking list, you know, recruiting list, whatever, but she's number one. She is, she's number one. Yeah. And listen, I, I fly a lot. There's not a ton of great flight attendants out there. <laughs> my mom is absolutely amazing. Right. So you know, like divorce kids, right? Like my parents lived a couple hours apart. So I had to do the, the transfer, right? Like whatever the time, you know, whatever the, the, the cycle was once a week, once every two weeks, whatever it was. And for a long time we drove and we would do sort of the drive and then the handoff. And then for a long time uh, after that, starting at about maybe eight years old, because my mom was a flight attendant, I could fly for free. So I would fly by myself. So mm -hmm. from the age of eight until I got my license, I flew by myself basically every week. Wow. Right. I mean, with that little unaccompanied minor, tag, oh, yeah. you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. And all that. And, you know, thinking back on it right now as a dad, I've got two, I got a boy and a girl, right. Thinking back on it, right. It would be heartbreaking for me to think of my kids doing like that. Right. Like that's, it's heartbreaking for me, but for me, that was where I learned how to manage myself mm -hmm. that in those silent moments on that airplane, it was where I understood, okay, I'm dealing with an event and I am in control of how I process this and what I do. And then what I get out of this is not going to be determined by the circumstance that I'm in, but, but what I do now, because my dad's house and my mom's house were so different. And I intuitively started to like build the, these reps. I didn't know it at the time, but, but I'm like building these reps and all of a sudden my self-management, my self-control, my, my separating my circumstances from my choices started to get developed in me. And then on the football field, when I started playing at whatever it was, eight or nine years old, I started to learn the strategic pursuing something version of it. I could actually, if I was, I was good at doing it, I never felt anxiety. I never felt pressure. I never felt those nerves on a football field in part because 
in my personal life, I had learned this sort of self-regulation from my circumstances. So I got on the field and I'm like, this isn't scary or intimidating, or I never got nerves. But if I could control my response, I could actually create better plays. I could make more tackles, like whatever it was. And so I, I had this mental and emotional skill that allowed me to pursue things regardless of circumstances and then deal with whatever circumstances popped up that were good, bad, or indifferent and still be pursuing something really high quality, high standard. And it really advanced me because I, you know, you guys can't see, right. But I mean, I, I played college football at five, nine, 170 pounds. I mean, I was the smallest person on every field, <laughs> all. but I started, but I started four years and it wasn't based on talent at all. It was a hundred percent based on, on sort of the mental and the emotional willingness, the speed I played the yep. game. And then, and then obviously the, you know, sort of the discipline that I, I did some other things with, but that, that was where I grabbed it. Right. And so you take that equation and we say, well, what's the utility of being able to intentionally pursue outcomes, understand my events without reacting to them or what we call BCD blaming, complaining, getting defensive, and then choose my response. I mean, what more important skill could we possibly build? whether we're talking wealth advisors or whether we're talking in our kids. Yeah. No, you're right. Here's what I'm, I'm curious on is you talked about this eight year old thing that you look back on now as I think what, 39 years old, Yeah. but where did that come to come to light? Right. And, and do you remember like, was there this moment where it's like, Oh yeah. Cause you know, I think we all got to learn from our past. And so mm-hmm. where did you learn about this eight year old? I'm on an airplane. I'm by myself. I had learned self-management really. Mm-hmm. Where did that come about to where you could start to articulate that? And it helps you in your adult life. You know, it, it started, it really started to come out for me in my high school, in, in high school days, you know, I mean, right around the time, right. Where we're making that transition into independence and making our own decisions and all that stuff. So it started to come about then that was when, that was when I discovered E plus R equals O itself it was, I don't know, maybe 17 or so okay. said, Oh, okay. And it clicked right away. Oh, that's the thing. Like that's, that's it. That's everything. If I can get good at that, like I can, I can apply that to anything and there is no stopping me. Like I recognize that when I got a hold of E plus R equals O and it started to become the building block for everything. I, it, I waited until after college. I even got, I got it tattooed, right? I got the, I got the E plus R equals O tattoo, which right. is, which is the perfect way to make sure your dad doesn't get mad at your first tattoo is, is, you know, get that one. Right. Yeah. That's around, you know, personal growth. I mean, come on. It. You know, you can't get upset. Maybe you want to get one dad, right? Uh, he didn't, but that it was right around that age, but you were 17. Yeah. The recognition of it came early. The skill took a while, right? It, <laughs> it, it took a long time. Right. I have this thing. I not to interrupt. I have this thing I like to call strategic think time. And for me, I mean, that's when you kind of look from the outside in or the inside out. And that's been helpful for me over the years is to learn about, you know, work ethic and talent versus work. And, and, and I'm fascinated by this stuff too, as you talk about discipline a lot and all of your stuff. And, and I have a, a quote I've been saying, I know you don't like quotes, but my, my own quote, if I ever would quote myself is your attitude decides where you go, your discipline decides how fast you get there. Right? I can have the best attitude in the world, right? Yeah. Yeah. But if I don't have the discipline, man, it ain't going to work. Nothing's going to work. My business plan's not going to work. Nothing is going to work. Okay. So you said, you said your attitude determines where you go. Your discipline determines how fast you get there. That's right. Okay. So, so, so watch this, right? So my, my, my book that's going to come out in sort of the, the, the first part, hopefully we can get it for sale in December, but it'll be probably more likely January, February is going to be daily discipline. It's going to be 365 lessons on discipline, one a day, just, you know, 
just because that's the hardest part oh, about yeah. discipline Perfect. for most people, right? Is, is doing discipline each day. They get tired, they get that's exhausted, right. they get distracted. Showing up every day. But, but the next book, most likely, and the tagline to every daily discipline last year, so 2020. So you appreciate this. I, I've never heard anybody else say this. So you're like, you're like my spirit animal right now. And that's this. <laughs> Here's the principle. Discipline is the shortcut. Yeah. Think about it, right? Discipline is the shortcut. In your own life, when you drifted away from discipline, what happened to your project, your goals, your numbers, the quality of your relationships, your health? What happened? Yeah. When you drift away from the path of discipline, when yeah. you, when you drift away from discipline, do you get things done better and faster? Nope. Nope. So, but most people don't think of it that way, Brett. Most people think of discipline as what? This long slog, boring, hard, rigid job. Yep. Except they'll wake up five years from now and think to themselves, shit, if I just would have started then, Right. I'd already be, I'd already be there by now. And everyone has felt that I felt it. You felt it. Everyone has felt this. Yeah. And so once we recognize discipline is the shortcut, we start realizing the shortcut sometimes is a three-year path, yeah. but don't turn a three-year path into an eight-year path because you got stuck on default. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I was just a guest on another podcast. It was an industry podcast and I ha I've had a bunch of people reach out now, which has been nice, but this 23 year old kid, I think he was from New York, heard it, reached out to me, found me on LinkedIn. And he said, Hey, if you could go back, I'm 43 now, if I could go back to the 23 year old Brett 20 years ago, right. And give that guy feedback, what would it be? And I said, trust the process and be disciplined, even on the days you don't want to do it. And people ask, like, how did you make it in the financial advising world at 23 years old when I looked like I was 12 with pimples on my face, right? And it's like, I was just dumb enough or smart enough to do the process, make 40 to 80 phone calls per day. They said, make 40, I made 40 to 80. They said, get five referrals a day or 25 a week. I got 30 to 50. Yep. There was a process to your point of a process or a system follow it, but then put some of it on steroids and follow it even more. Then you're going to, you can, then you over do the process. You're almost guaranteeing yourself success. A hundred percent. I mean, I, I'm, I'm probably not far from you because, because, you know, I, I was actually on, I'm pulling something up on my computer here. I was, I was writing some notes for the book and I was going back to this list I'm building, like note, notes to my son. I started writing this a long time ago, just got these you know notes going out to my son. And I, I, I pull up, this, the third one on this list, right? It says, always prepare earlier than you need to. It took your dad too long to learn this and it cost him do better <laughs> than he did. And so same thing of, you know, look, full disclosure. I don't know if you've ever done strengths finders. A lot of people have done strengths sure. finders yep. and you know, whatever it is. Right. So on my strengths finders, however many there are 36 strengths, right? Discipline is 35th out of 36 for me. <laughs> it's not so, natural. Right. So, so one of the cool things is no discipline and they don't quite define it the same way that I do, you know, which we can talk about, but it's not about what we're, whether we're naturally good at discipline, which is what I think a lot of people reject it for. It's discipline is a learned skill. It's absolutely a learned skill. You just need the right system and a simple one at that E plus R equals O is a great starting point because all you have to remember is three things. 
What do I want? What am I dealing with? Right. What, therefore, what do I need to respond? And then, and then I, you know, I have to have the discipline when you think about it, what's the discipline of E plus R equals O? Well, first of all, it's, it's the, it's the recognition, right? Self-awareness. And then it's the, the conscious choice to acknowledge. I don't control this. I don't control this and the human desire to want to control things, right? Especially other people, which is huge in, you know, in any business context, uh, any business owner context, any sales context, trying to control the circumstance, trying to control the person, trying to say what they should quote unquote should think is important as opposed to looking at things as they are and responding to that, which is, which is its own discipline to stay in that mental and emotional space. And I think too, clarity for that clarity is, is really, really important. In my opinion, when we're talking about this stuff, clarity, and then that process, like, so for me, when you talked about your outcome, that's clarity, right? Yeah. So when I talk about clarity, people, clarity precedes mastery, the clearer I can be with these outcomes, the more reasons, in my opinion, that I need to have for that outcome, not just, oh, I want a house in Florida. No, I want a house in Florida for these 15 reasons, right? Correct. Because it's yes. heavenly ice cream. It's going to the Great Southern on the last night for dinner. It's going to George's on the first night for dinner. And it's these rituals that we've done for years as a family that I can see my future grandkids going to. Yeah. Right. It, it's not having to, it's not having to put shoes on uh, to have dinner. Right. Yeah. Right. Whatever, it's doing whatever it you want. And, and there's yeah. gotta be a lot of reasons behind that. And that clarity is huge. So would you, when you hear me say that clarity, that's your outcome. Would you agree with all that? A hundred percent. And, and I would, I would put, you know, I put clarity across all three of those. So again, let's take clarity and then let's plug it into the system. What's the order, right? If we're going to f- have a system, but also let's put a little process together. So if we're doing E plus R equals O, the English language goes left to right. E first event first, right. yep. but that's not how, that's not how we want to do it because we don't want to be victims of our circumstance. If it was E first, which we saw, which we saw right. during COVID, right? During Correct. this pandemic, we saw victims and we saw victors. Right. And, and I'll use my own story as an example, right? If it's E first, well, then my entire life is lived as a reaction to my parents' divorce. I'm limited because I had divorced parents. I can't have the, you know, mm. the quality of my marriage is built by the divorce. No, it's not E first. It's O first. It's always, always, always outcome first. I agree. My dad was diagnosed with stage four prostate cancer the week we shut down for for COVID. He and I worked together for 15 years, and and I, I broke a, we I broke off the business, sort of my portion of this business two years ago. He was diagnosed with stage four prostate cancer in April of 2020, and even then, it's not E first because what do we see? We see people who get diagnosed with cancer. We see, and I've seen it my whole life or whatever version, whatever alternative version of it would exist, right? Is, is the E is so devastating for them that they lose touch with everything else. It becomes, the world becomes dark. They get into a spiral. Nothing else even matters. It's, you know, it's blaming the world. It's blaming the higher power. It's blaming whatever. It's saying, why me? So for me, no, my dad gets diagnosed with stage four prostate cancer. Of course, that's a massive E for him, right? For his wife, my stepmom, for my family, for me, it's a massive E, but it's not E first. It's O first. Okay. There was the E. What do we want? What do we want? And so now clarity. Okay. Well, what is it? It's stage four. Can stage four be reversed in this case? It can't. Okay. So that O is off the table in terms of our ability to do something about it. What can be done about it? And we went through all the right, all the medical stuff, right? And then he went and attacked it. Okay. Well, what's the next O? Medical is one set of O's. What's the other O? Well, now it's, okay. It's, it's, what are we doing together? 
what, 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 what kind of family experience are we going to have? Right. If he has six months, if he's got six years, if he's got 20 years, we don't know what kind of family experience are we going to have? Okay. What's that? What's it going to be like? What are we going to prioritize? What are we going to do? How much time are we going to spend together? Right. We're Oh, 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 Oh. Okay. Then we look at the E and say, all right, well, what context do we have? What limitations do we have? What opportunities do we have in the E? We start laying out all the E. So it's clarity of the O first, even when it's something big, right? Even when it's COVID, I was, I was on, I did a keynote for, for a, a, a bank institution and their financial advising side. And, and, you know, the, the, we did a keynote, we did a breakout, just a second one for them, you know, last week, got a, got a, a another group that we're going down to here for uh, this week. And, there's a massive difference between on the, on the financial advisor side across the nation. There's a massive difference between financial advisors who were E focused over the last year and a half and financial advisors who were O focused. Yep. And the ones who were E focused got their ass kicked. Yep. I love them, but they got their ass kicked, right? The ones who were O focused said, Oh, okay. You mean I can actually now have two, three, four times as many touch points with, with prospects, with clients, because we can do this via zoom and I don't have to get in my car and I don't have to leave. And I can, I can have twice, three times as many meetings and, and touch points and all of that. Great. Let's go do that. You mean we can do this whole thing digitally, even though we've never done it before. Great. Let's go do that. I mean, I can get my volume up here. Yeah. Let's go do that. Boom. And they looked at this E and they didn't look at it as a problem. They looked at it as, well, it's different. In some ways it kind of sucks, but in a lot of ways it created a whole lot of new avenues for us. But that only happened when they got clarity on the O. Well, that O for us was you call them before they call you, right? Let's play the game. And then they, and then they focused their, their, the, what they controlled on their response and mentally and emotionally, there's a big line, obviously not just in wealth advisors. This is, you know, you know, you see this in, in, Every business owners, attorneys, right? and sometimes people, the whatever. smarter the people, right? Sometimes the smarter the people, they struggle with this. There, there, there were the people who put their attention on all the things that they didn't control, and then there's the people who put all their attention on the things that they did. Yep. And the better we have clarity of what we control and what we don't, which E plus R equals O is a great system and tool for doing that. Because again, people say control the controllables, and again. It's not so much the it's not so much a, a quote that, that's the issue with it's the actual statement right control the controllables that's you like we say that like there's some long list right it's not a long list it's you yeah. what you control is you so my question is for everybody is like okay well are you controlling you and you look at this last year what do people complain about they they complain about COVID they complain about regulations they complain about restaurants they complain about governors they complain about presidents they complain about social media they and I'm looking and it's like. If you control any of those things, do something. If you don't, stop yeah. and get controlling yourself. And because that's that's the path, right? So, so that's that's what I'm a that's not a huge look. I'm a, I'm a competitor, and so I want the best set of circumstances, of course. But the quality of my circumstances does not affect the depth of my competition, right? My control over myself controls how I compete. That's right. I'll compete in any set of circumstances. You give me a set of circumstances that you say you have 0% chance of winning. I will still go compete my face off because yeah. I just enjoy that. Like that's my quality, right? That's, that's the clarity of what, what I want to be part of my response. And so that's really the last piece is when you're clear on the O and that you don't control it, but you can pursue it and create it. If you're good enough, when you understand and have clarity on the E 
and that you don't have control over it, maybe you can influence, but so many things we can't even influence. Right. And then we get clarity on our R, not just what we're supposed to do, because I don't, I'm not really into the supposed to, right? There's no supposed to, like, there's not a whole lot of rules on this stuff. Choose to, right? Yeah. It's, It's choose to, and then it's what quality do I want to bring to it? Right. What quality do I want to bring to it? Clarity of who does, who does BK want to be? What qualities does BK want to be part of his art? Do do I want to be a complainer? Do I want to be a blamer? Do I want to be the defensive guy? No. Right. Those people, those people are good people, man. They are annoying. Right. That person who's too defensive and you know that you can't tell them the truth because they're just going to get defensive with you. You avoid that conversation. I don't ever want somebody to do that because of what I've displayed. And so now I have clarity on who I want to be and how I want to live and what I want to put into it. Now all of a sudden I'm putting together a really powerful combination of, of tools. And it all just came from three simple letters, E R O. Plus that complainer, man, nobody wants to be around a guy like that. I don't want to be, I don't want to hang out at a 4th of July party with you and listen to your freaking sob stories all day. And it's like, I don't have, I got enough stuff to worry about. I don't want to worry about your crap. Right. And so it's like, you know, who does want to be around those people? Other, other people like that. Other complainers. Correct. Yeah. That's exactly. why the thing, like anybody who's like, well, you know, I'm complaining. Well, well, some people really want to. I'm like, yeah, other complainers. Yeah. Like, other people who would rather vent than go do something. That yeah. That's who wants to be around that. And, yeah. and I'm never going to judge it. Like I'm not judging them, but I, I want people who, and again, we put it in, in a combination, BCD, blaming, complaining, defensiveness. It's a, it's a great thing from a work perspective. Like if you're, if you're thinking from a house or a work perspective, I just had a, a mom email me this morning or applying to it to the daily discipline email. And she said, I want our house to become a no BCD zone. And I want, you know, how do we do that? I've got a husband, I've got kids five and eight, and I want my house to be a no BCD zone. And we do the same thing for work, right? Make, make your workplace a no BCD zone. Why? Well, number one, let's calculate the cost. What's the cost of BCD in dollars? It's gigantic. Yeah, enormous. If we if we do if we do what somebody's production is over the course of a year, you can hourly rate it out if you want to. And then you say, well, how much time does the average person spend either blaming, complaining, or getting defensive? And not the blaming, like the blow up stuff, like the little things, right? Like, oh, why didn't this get done? Well, oh, I didn't get this in time. Like pushing responsibility away from them, basically, right? You know, the average person, it's like about, I mean, I can make a case. They, they complain, blame, get defensive about an hour a day on average. If we add it up, multiply that over the course of the year, look what BCD costs your business. It's a giant dollar figure, right? And yep. so then we stretch that out and then we say this, and then we say, okay, and I'll do this with audiences, like blaming, complaining, defense. raise your hand if you want to have that brand. Raise your hand if when you walk in the office, if when you walk in your home, if when you get into the conversation, you want people in their mind saying, oh, here comes, insert your name, yep. the blamer, the blamer. And not one person raises their hand ever to say, I want that brand. And I'm like, look, it's fine if you do, because at least if you say, I want that brand and I don't mind it, you can own it. In which case you're living integrity. Good for you. But there's people who want to complain, but they don't want to own the brand. And I'm like, no, that doesn't work. If you complain, you're a complainer. If you blame people, you're a blamer. So if you want the brand, do it. If you don't want the brand, then you must stop. I like that, man. I'm just going through my notes here. This is great stuff because I think we are, like you say, we're spirit animals, man. We're, we're connecting on all this stuff. And so when you think about that, though, we, you know, there are people out there listening to this probably they are like, man, maybe, maybe it's not them because maybe the, those people don't listen to podcasts like this, but sure. maybe they've got people in their lives that are doing that. 
you got any advice for those folks? Like how do you either one, get rid of them or two, help them and lead them up and, and bring them up to, uh, to not be that person? Well, it depends on the, it depends on the context. So for family and friends, there's a different set of family and friend uh, zone. <laughs> standards, right? Whereas if it's a teammate, it's really different. Family and friends, it's unconditional love stuff. Maybe, maybe, maybe friends have a little bit of conditional stuff, right? But I have friends, you know, good friends who have behavior patterns and it's not my job to coach them. It's not my job to hold them accountable or responsible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Maybe my job to share some observations, right? I think that's what a good friend will do, but I'm not here to coach up my friends, right? But if it's a teammate, so that's a, that's a different story. It's a different deal. So th- the first thing I would say is this, let's look at something that 99% of the planet doesn't do because they haven't thought about this. And let's combine two things. Let's look at empathy and expectations. I mean, you're a dad, you have a business, obviously you're a, you know, you're a smart, successful guy who's, you know, put complex plans together and gone out and executed them at a high level, okay? What happens when people when people turn up their empathy? where do their expectations tend to go? Well, I would say probably higher because I care for that person. Well, I, well, I guess I guess not you, but what do you see most people do is my question. When empathy goes uh, up, what, direct, what direction does, do expectations go? Yeah, down. Down. And when expectations go up, what direction does empathy usually go? Yeah, down. Down, right? If, you, if we look at the behavior patterns around the world, when empathy goes up, expectations go down. Meaning what? If somebody's having a hard time, we what? We lower it. And you see a lot of parents do this. You see a lot of coaches do this. You see a lot of people in business do this. Empathy goes up. Oh, this is super hard. We better lower the expectations. So let, me, let's, let me pause you on that though. So, so I would say, so I agree and disagree at the same time. And I think it depends on yeah. that relationship, right? Because if I actually have empathy for somebody, mm-hmm. then that means I care so much about them that my expectations are actually going to go up. It's not going to go down. My expectations of them are going to go up Yes, because I'm in, right? We're in it. We're in it together. I'm here to help you. If you need me to pull you, if you need me to push you, I'm in. But my expectation, if, if I'm going to commit to the time for it, my expectations are going to be extremely high for that. Completely agree. And that's how we want to do it. And you know, we start looking around. This is part of the recognition of how do we help somebody who's maybe stuck in and, and BCD is just one example, right? It's just it's just a it's a pervasive epidemic of its own. BCD, I mean, I mean, it's a it's a massive epidemic. It always has been. We just have yeah. tools to amplify it these days, right? right. I hundred percent agree with what you're saying. Yeah. So so most people are going to turn empathy up. When they turn empathy up, their expectations go down, or they'll make the the false assumption that when they bring high expectations, that they have to create a little bit of uh, empathy distance or separation. And they're really ineffective strategies. What we want to do is never allow raising our empathy to lower our expectations. And this is a huge struggle for parents because you see this happening for parents all the time. And it's a little bit reactionary to probably how a lot of people grew up. If we go back 50 years, you know, the, 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 what's the helicopter parent do, or what's the, you know, they call them snowplow parents do, what do they do? Right. They, they don't want their kids to struggle because they see their kids struggling. They see their kid going through something hard. And then they, the empathy kicks in and they what they they try to make it a little easier for them right and they lower the expectations and go make things happen and it absolutely cripples kids it absolutely cripples them yep. it cripples them emotionally intellectually it cripples them in their work ethic and all this different stuff i mean literally to the tune of of you know i work with you know i work with you know major league sports you know nfl mlb nba all this different right stuff uh, major college division 1 college football teams basketball teams etc and there are literally parents who will call and talk to coaches about playing time Right. No, you're right. In the in the professional 
and major division one ranks, right? It's wild. Okay. And you see it with schools and, and how old's your oldest to your youngest? What's the, what's the age range? Uh, 15 and seven. Okay. Right. So, I mean, so you're like right in that window of, you know, what, where you can see a lot of these things going on. And it's my discussion when... tonight at our first AU baseball. I'm the head coach of the O'Fallon Predators baseball team for my Let's fourth kid. Go. And tonight is going to be expectation talk. Let's go. by the fourth one, man, you figured it out. <laughs> that's, like, right, that's right. I know what not to do and I know what to do in coaching now. And so that's one of the talks we're going to have. Yeah. You know, and so, you know, and so let's, let's, you know, we could take that and we can take a scenario that applies to all these relationships. And that is when we have to tell somebody, give somebody some feedback or some truth that, you know, may hurt their feelings right? What's our temptation to do? Our temptation is to soften it. Our temptation is to avoid it. Our temptation is not to, because what? Oh, I like them. I care about them. I love them. And so I don't want to hurt their feelings, right? It could be our yeah. spouse, could be our kids, could be our teammate, could be our boss, could be our client, could be anybody. And what that is, is right. That's when our empathy gets the better of us and our expectations go down. Then we try to engage in it. And then we what? Well, we try to hold the expectation and get it across, but to protect ourselves, we do it in a cold way where we lower our empathy. We just get the truth across. I'm just saying it like it is, right? And then we come across, you know, a little blunt and uncaring. And somewhere along the line, Brett, we have kind of falsely associated, if I love you, if I care about you, I say we, I just mean sort of the general public, right? If if I love you and if I care about you, then I got to protect you from ever feeling an emotion that isn't a great one. And I just, that's, that's not how human beings work. That's not how relationships work. So, you know, for somebody who's BCDing, one of the things is, you know, number one, ask them, ask them what they want and say, again, rather than, cause the thing we can't do is we can't come across as judgmental because as soon as we come across as judgmental, we lose them. It doesn't matter who it is, right? That right. could be, it could You're be my wife. Right? If, if, if I sound judgmental to my wife, if I, you know, whatever, she's complaining about something, if I'm like, you know, whatever, whatever I would say, right. Of like, Oh, all you're gonna do is complain just boom, immediately shut down and bang. Plus I probably deserve that. Right. It's not, that's not, that's not helping helpful for anybody. But the question, maybe I ask if I hear something like that, or that I would hope she would do with me if I ever complain, right. Would say, well, what are you looking for here? What, what, what would you like to see happen? What do you want? I like empathize, but yep. empathize out of standard. What, what, what do you want? Not like, you know, but not something like, you know, if you're not going to offer a solution, uh, then just be quiet again. Cause that just, sh- that's like shoving somebody back in their you know cubicle or hole or whatever, you know? Uh, um, now I will say this, if you're not willing to talk solutions, uh, you're not allowed to talk about problems. I will say that that's a principle, but, but that's coming from the front end, right? That's, that's not responding to somebody's BCD that's setting principles from the early side, right? That's leadership. If you're not going to talk, if you don't want to talk about solutions, you are not allowed to address problems. I want to hear about problems, right? But if you're not going to be open to solutions, then don't even bring those things to the table first, or you can bring them to the table, but you have to tell bring me the solution. Here's a problem. Well, some people don't have them and they don't want them. So here's what I want. Again, I, part of this is the expectation. If you come to me with a problem and you have no solution, you have to say so. Because the second you say, I have no solution, you are now acknowledging that you've reached your limit and you waxing on about that problem is over because now I got to go to the people who actually can help, or I need you once you've addressed the problem. Well, now your, your, your usefulness and the validity of your perspective and opinion on this stuff has really gone down to here. And you need to acknowledge that. And there's a lot of people who are really good 
problem identifiers and not great problem solvers. And they do not realize that the world does not pay much for problem identifiers. The world pays for problem. The world pays for problem solvers. Okay. So problem identifiers, cool, right? Fine. No problem. It's just a really low utility role. don't Don't be the problem identifier be the problem solver. If problem identification is part of that process, awesome, right? If you can point out some things I don't see, always want to hear that. But if that's all you got, you know, go back to baseball, right? You're a one-tool player, right? We're looking at, we're looking at trying to maximize this being a two, three, four, five-tool player. Um, if you're not sure what that is in baseball, just Google it. Uh, it's somebody who has a lot of utility and, and is super valuable and gets big. Contract. Five is better than one. Okay, Five is better than one. But for me, Brett, for me, or I think most people, you know, where we gravitate to and, 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 you know, if you can move the heart, you can move the person, right? That's, that's, that's the ultimate piece yeah. that, that applies everywhere. If you can move the heart, you can move the person. I think what, what reaches the heart is this. Do you want to be known as the complainer? Do you want to be known as the person who can only deal with situations that are three out of 10 hard? If it's four or five, six out of 10 hard, everybody knows that, you start losing it. Do you want to be that person? And if you don't, well, then start putting some systems in place to get better at those skills. Right? Start building the discipline. Discipline being choice. Discipline being standards. Discipline being the objectives that it helps you pursue. Not standards by somebody else's signal. Because here, here you coach you coach baseball, right? One of my big issues with discipline about why I'm on this path is that most people were taught the wrong things about discipline growing up in sports and in business. They were taught the wrong things. They were taught discipline as a synonym for obedience and compliance and punishment. And it's not. Those things do fine on their own, right? Punishment is punishment. Compliance is following the rules, which there's a time and place to do that. And obedience is following authority or what somebody told you to do. And there's a time and place for that. But you have a 15-year-old all the way through seven-year-old and you got four, right? Is there a time where your boys, and I got my own two kids, is there a time where your boys are no longer going to live out of obedience to you? Yeah, probably so. (laughs) Yeah, there is. I hope so, yeah. And when your boys no longer live out of obedience to you, what do you want them to have of their own possession? Yeah. Trust, respect, discipline to make their own choices to become who they are and great versions of that. But if, if they're living out of obedience to you for the rest of their lives, now they're living according to your expectations of them living according to what they think dad wants. They're living according to what dad told me. And that means that they're not becoming the best version of who they are. You know, and that's the parental side. Same thing with leadership side. I put a tweet out yesterday and it kind of blew up. It's like, look, if your job is to develop people, don't make the, don't make the mistake of developing them in your image. Mm. Develop them into great versions of who they are and help them become that. Figure out who they want to become and then help them become a disciplined version of that. That's what discipline is. Discipline is knowing how to make the choice for myself not because authority said so, not because the rules said so, and not to escape punishment, but to uphold the standards that I've chosen, the standards that I have chosen to attach myself to. If I say work for you, I've got my own standards and I'm upholding those. And then if I work for you, I'm looking at, okay, well, what, what are the standards that you built this business on and that you expect from the teammates here? 
all right, I'm going to build the discipline to uphold those standards, not because you told me to, but because I actively choose to as a member of this team. That's a wildly different level of discipline than most people have been taught. Well, it's like in leadership or management, right? If I, if I say it, it's, it's because you're in leadership and management. If you come up to that, that situation on your own and it's your solution, then it's the gospel, right? You're going to do it. So. 100%. The difference between, it's the difference between being in the head and being in the heart. Yep. So you talked about problem identifier versus problem solver. I love it. You are solving problems by your daily discipline email. So, so people can sign up for that. This is free. It's what's turning into a book later this year, early next year. So talk about that a little bit, Brian. Yeah. So, so, um, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe 30% of what I do is, is kind of keynotes or, or training sessions, right? A keynote at a conference, a half day workshop kind of thing. And and as always with an event kind of thing, you know, people can get fired up or whatever. And I always joke, like, I'm not a motivational speaker. Right. If you're not motivated, good luck. That's not my right. job. This is about skill building and teaching tools, right? And putting systems in place. So people come up to me and they would say, this is really cool, but how do I keep this alive? And they never liked my answer. I said, you wake up tomorrow and you do it. And they're like, well, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, how do you keep yourself alive tomorrow? And they kind of look at me and I'm like, you wake up and you eat some food. And then you do some things and you breathe and you work and you sustain yourself. Like that's what you do. You don't question me for that. But now I'm, ta- yeah. I'm talking about don't be CD. And you're like, well, how do I keep it alive? You wake up and you actively choose it every day. And so because people didn't like that answer, I said, okay, I'm going to help. So I've got all these notepads over here. I've literally got like, like literally right here, I've got like 30 yellow pad notes that I've written over the years just to myself. And it hit me one day of, I've got all these notes, but I'm the only one who's read them. I've got all these people who are saying, how do I keep this alive? I said, okay, well, I'll do my part. And I said, every day I'm sending an email out called Daily Discipline. And if you want help keeping this alive, like just a little focus, a little reminder, like that little spark, that little seed, whatever it is to start your day, I'll do it. So I started it in 2018, January 1st. And I've written every weekday, it goes out at 6 a.m. Um, haven't missed a day. So, you know, I've, I don't know, I've written almost a thousand, nine hundred something, whatever. And, and that's so, yeah, just so one you, just in itself. No doubt. Sounds intimidating when I look back at it, but all I ever committed to was writing one. And I sent it out to, you know, 10 people on the first one. And now we've got, you know, 30, I don't know, 33,000 readers or something like that. I mean, I mean, it, it, it's fun, right? If it just people in people unsubscribe every day, right? Like it's just how it is. Right. But if you want that, it's at dailydiscipline.com. It is free. It will always be free. It's my way of contributing. And I write it systematically so that it's not applied, so that you can overlay the principle of that day to anything in your life that you want to apply it to. It's not for work. It's not for you know, parenting. It's not for sports. It's it's for whatever it is that you're dealing with. Wherever you're at in your journey. The tool will apply, and then obviously that's uh, so we're turning that into a a, a book, which uh, you know sort of a counter year book of just being able to read through it each day, so that people don't have to like save them in their email inbox and go back and read right. through them. I love it. I love it. So I, I steal your phone from you. Get this trusty cell phone. I assume pretty close to you. What do you want me to not delete on that phone besides email? That's boring. Got to have that. Mm-hmm. What What am I not deleting? That's going to stress you out if I do delete it. Oh, that would stress me out if you deleted it. Yeah. Well, obviously, besides, you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna skip all the easy ones, right? So let's skip email. Let's skip let's skip the browser because we've got that. Here's what I tell you: don't delete your whatever music app you have because being able to put a song on that makes you feel something is one of the most historically Power. timeless mood changers, state changers, emotion changers. I mean, I. 
I was listening to a song over the weekend on the plane coming back that, you know, brought tears to my eyes. I was thinking about, you know, being a dad and stuff. I was doing another one. I'm like jamming out and vibing. It's just boom in three and a half minutes. It can change your whole state. So stay close to that. So you get, Hey, this is a game I like to play with my friends around, you know, around a campfire or something. And yep. they laugh. I'm like, all right, here we go again. Cause I love playing music. They call me DJ Brett in the neighborhood because okay. I just like to play music, man. Cause I, I agree. It gets you, get you going. It gets the flow. It's just absolutely it's amazing. You know, there's songs for me that for different reasons. Right. But yep. so you got one song, you got to shut the night down. You're at a party with your best friends having the time of your life. Yeah. What's what's the closing song for BK? What is it? The Killers, all these things that I have done. He knows it. I like and, it. And it, and it. And it finishes with the entire crowd, the entire, whoever's there. Right? It could be three of us, could be 300 of us, right? And it right. all ends with, I got soul, but I'm not a soldier. And everybody's beating it out. Everybody's standing up and just <laughs> get after it. That's it. No I'm, I'm a, either Don't Stop Believing by Journey or a Sweet Caroline, man. I mean, you know, you oh. get those moments, you get all your friends and you're hugging and it's oh. just... It's unbelievable. Oh, absolutely. It, it, the, for some people, right? It's the only words they know, but they sing as loud as they possibly can. It, exactly. Nothing, nothing brings it together better. Oh, that's awesome. I, you know, well, I, hey. I throw build me, I throw build me up Buttercup into, into uh, that's that. That's a good one. I put that's that one in there too. Right? That one always gets one. people moving. I like it. Awesome, man. We're working our listeners. Find more of you here. I got all your social media stuff. We'll put those in the case notes. Is that the one where you kind of connect the most, you think? Yeah, I connect. So, so Twitter is the easiest place to connect with me. My yeah. social handle is basically the same in all of them, at T. Brian Kite. But I'm on, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm on, I'm on YouTube. I've got a Daily Discipline podcast. DailyDiscipline.com is, uh, is where you can sign up for that. And then on the business side, for a good, that's a good teams. website to get, by the way, dailydiscipline.com. Yeah. You know, it, and you know, I, I was surprised we got it and we got it for, you know, really damn cheap. So I was, I was excited. I guess we were better. early that one, I guess. <laughs> and then on the business side, on the, on the team side for any of the, the sort of the, the, the teams work, or if you're interested in, in, you know, how these tools apply to, to groups, organizations, my, my website, tbriankite.com. Okay. Kite, K-I-G-A. HT for those listening, but we'll have it all in the show notes. So check it out on Apple Podcasts. And you know what, man? I've never said this on a podcast because I think it's so cheesy, but you got to say it. My people are saying it. You got to hit subscribe down here. My friends are going to watch this. You're going to laugh as we were just talking yes. about it. You got to hit subscribe, <laughs> hit the little bell, right? For your notifications. Have to. What do they have say? To. My kids are like, hit the pound, pound it, noggin, whatever the dude, perfect people say. But hey, if you like this type of stuff, share it with your friends because people like Brian Kite, man, are giving it everything they've got. And he's helping tons of people and he's willing to spend time with us. So Brian, it's been awesome having you on the Circuit of Success, man. Thanks for being here. Yeah, this is fun. Appreciate it. Tune in next week for another episode of the Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm. 